The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. My family thinks I'm crazy. A podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shade. Synchronicity, this is a topic that I want to bring some nuance to, which is that I don't think it's all good. I think that Team Dark has ways of maneuvering chess pieces to create synchronicity in our life and draw us on wild goose chases or even destructive directions, just like our guides or our daimon or whatever, personal angel crew ancestor supporters whoever they are or all of the above they obviously line things up for us in a positive way and miracles happen but how do we tell the difference and what is intuition because when you're not fully aware of what intuition is and how it works we're trying on an unconscious level or our soul level is trying not to take too much of this bullshit in and not go crazy from it not become the Borg, not assimilate to the hive mind. It's our deepest, deepest threat, I think, is to lose individuality to the hive. And so, with that in mind, if you're prying open your chakras with a crowbar, and then you're going into the cubicle every day, you might not get out of the cubicle. If you go looking of the Templars and even other secret societies with initiation rites about kissing the asshole of a cat, why would this happen? And were cats not very important as a religious icon in ancient Egypt? Was it, is the toxoplasmosis parasite known by the royal houses? They know that it doesn't affect their people the way it affects their slave race. Is it something that you have initiates do so that they're more... Because, okay, we need to back up what's toxoplasmosis. Maybe not everyone knows about it. It is a parasite that causes reckless behavior and attraction to cats, among other problems. 
Yes, I mean, oh. uh, my friend Alex Stein, host of the Conspiracy Castle podcast, I think he definitely has toxoplasmosis. It's not true that the consensus reality is an illusion. What's an illusion is that you have any external control over it. You've got one thing, and that is your vibe, period. Frequency, vibration is the is what the universe is. Consensus dream are the waves and ripples and artistic expressions of us interpreting that frequency and vibration. But since all we have any agency over is our own frequency, our own vibration, our own coherence, that's also the only thing that can influence the external reality at all, which is a reflection of the inner. Like the alchemical statement that from the inward doth the outward roll, and in the inmost dwells the utmost soul. That's what we got to keep in mind. That's the secret. gentlemen welcome to the my family thinks some crazy podcast i'm your host mark palmer and today on the show we had host of the innerverse podcast chance garton i had initially found out about chance through a friend Lindsay Sharman, many many months ago she suggested him to me and then uh you know things happen time moves on I, I lost track of that tip, and then somewhere along the line a couple weeks ago, a friend of the show, listener of the show, emails me and says, hey, you gotta have Chance Garten on your podcast, he's an awesome dude, you and him are my synchro gurus, like I told him in the interview that you're about to listen to. I thought it was really, really, really perfect that... Uh, Michael Wan and I had been talking about this exact idea that Chance brought up on the episode of Your Handbook for the Apocalypse, episode three. Uh, maybe we talked about it a little bit in episode two. But yeah, it was really awesome uh, that there was that synchronicity when we we're both synchro gurus. Naturally, there's got to be a synchronicity. Well, yeah, that was... That was that, and there's many more. It's been a couple days since I interviewed Chance. Uh, I apologize. Not everything is fresh on my mind. I'm going to try to record these intros the day of, so everything's fresh on my mind. I just interviewed Michelle Gibson today, so be on the lookout for that interview coming soon. But today, back to the topic, Chance Garten. Folks, this is a swap cast. Chance is a really cool dude. If you haven't heard his podcast before, it's called the Innerverse Podcast. So if you're listening on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy feed, do us both a favor and go over and subscribe to the Innerverse Podcast. And if you're listening from the Innerverse Podcast, hey, what's up? I'm Mark Palmer. This is the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Podcast. I hope Chance was nice enough to include this intro in his version of the show. If not, well, then I look like a real asshole. <laughs> Either way, no big deal on Chance's part. He is a great guy, and this conversation did not disappoint. Like I said, I hadn't 
heard of Chance other than the two tips there, you know, working for Sam Tripoli, uh, booking Tinfall Hat Zero, and now Conspiracies Only, a new Rockfin exclusive show with Sam Tripoli and some of the most deepest, darkest rabbit hole researchers. You can also find my show, <laughs> sort of adjacent to all that, but yeah, part of part and parcel to helping Sam with that is I get to you know meet a lot of really cool people and then those people then suggest other cool people for me to get in touch with and Chance is no different very cool guy he's from Missouri he's done a lot he's very inspiring someone I'm looking up to for sure uh, considering that he's gone and made podcasting his full-time job I think that's really impressive and something I'm striving to do It's not quite a full-time paying job right now, but it is my only job in the sense that all of the things I do to make money uh, are in the realm of podcasting. Um, So yeah, maybe besides a couple of little bit of weed I sell here and there, Uh, just kidding, Uh, but it is legal in the state of Connecticut. Anyways, sorry for that weird noise. So yeah, folks, all the more reason for you to come and support us on the Patreon so we can uh, achieve a little bit of what Chance has already. I think his show's been going on since 2014, and we just hit our one-year anniversary. So if you are hearing this for the first time, thank you. You're you're joining uh, the podcast while we're rising. Our momentum is gaining. We just hit 113,000 downloads across the whole podcast The average number of downloads is increasing every day. So thank you folks for listening to the show. I really appreciate you. And this episode's coming out on my birthday of all days. So happy birthday to me. I'm turning 27 years old, 27 years young. And uh, yeah, I thought this episode was very appropriate to come out on my birthday because we talked about a lot of things that I find very interesting. And and like I said, Chances is somebody who I consider now a role model done with this podcast is really cool and i encourage you to check it out uh and again if you're already aware if you're already down with chance and you haven't heard of my podcast before check it out we just threw everything on youtube all the audio is on youtube now not that that matters i'm sure they're gonna censor the shit out of us but that's the benefit of the rss feed anyways because it doesn't happen when you're hosting the podcast yourself right so that's what we're doing here we're not letting youtube host our shit so thank you for supporting this independent platform an independent podcast brought to you by an independent dude who's been independent his whole life a black sheep some would say someone who's a little bit on the fringe a dweller of the strange and paranormal some would even say my family thinks I'm crazy and it's really, really becoming less and less true because the world is becoming so crazy that I think that they'll eventually come around. But I gave up. I think I'm putting my energy on podcasting and uh, and I think if they want to listen, they will listen. So if you are listening and you know me from outside of the podcast uh, world, and you know me in my real life hit me up i'd love to find out if any of my friends or family are secretly listening to my podcast consider it a birthday gift uh and yeah if you if you do want to show us some love or show me some love for my birthday 
sign up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram is just my family thinks I'm crazy. We're on Rockfin where I will be posting more and more premium content. I promise you will see more stuff there. Um, And as well, we got a Telegram chat that is also very new. So join us on Telegram. The link is in the description or you can just go to t.me slash my family thinks I'm crazy chat. The uh, t.me slash my family thinks I'm crazy is apparently a channel. So I screwed that up. But yeah, if you have trouble getting that link, just hit me up on Instagram. I'll send you the link. And and let's build a little community there, folks. I'd love to uh, be able to pool some research. We can crowdsource some research and work on some projects together. I certainly can't uh, decipher this Hammonasset ley line alone talked a little bit about that with uh with chance and we talked a little bit about it with michelle gibson probably mentioned it on a lot of podcasts because it's kind of been my pet projects researching the ham and asset line and and, uh, i think this podcast is facilitating all sorts of things that i never dreamed would come true honestly um so turning 27 this is really profound it means a lot to me you know i spent the last 10 to 11, 12 years of my life looking into these subjects to no avail, reading books and really thinking like, is this a a wasted effort researching all these things? It really didn't dawn on me till recently that there was actually uh, a benefit that I could bring to the world other than, you know, becoming an author or teacher of some sort. And I think podcasting is, is really where I'm becoming more of myself and connecting with my higher self and since that's happened for me you know everyone who listens to the show i consider you guys a part of the family and and a hero of mine for listening and supporting us but you know i want to return the favor so i hope that more and more this year coming into our second year that my family thinks of crazy podcast that we can uh, be an inspiration to you in your life and if you do feel inspired get in touch with me Email me. You can hit us up at podinbox.com slash MFTIC in all capital letters and leave us a voicemail. And if you uh, if you want, leave us a voice message, uh, voice message and uh, and we'll play it on the show. Just let me know if you don't want it played on the show. But if you don't say anything, I'm going to play it on the show. So leave us a message on podinbox.com slash MFTIC. And if you just want to say something or say hi, let me know that you don't want it played on the show. Uh, But if it's super interesting, I might just play it on the Patreon. Uh, So sign up there. See what we got. All right, folks. Thank you again for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Enjoy this conversation with Chance Garden from the Innerverse podcast. Like I said, he just became uh, a full-time podcaster. And one of the things that he alluded to towards the end of our conversation is his urge to get out and explore his landscape where he lives the magic of the land and even connect maybe with the ancestral spirits there missouri you know shares its border uh with the mississippi river like many many states in that region do and i'm sure there's so much connected to the mississippi river on top of you know the cahokia mountains and all that so it's awesome that this is happening folks we are inspiring 
an investigation into the land, a geographic crowdsourced synchro mystic investigation into your backyard, wherever it is you live. For me, that's the Northeast, New England, uh, and even, you know, expanding and, and being inspired so much by Ross Ben, Michael Wan, who you can hear me and Mike on the Your Handbook for the Apocalypse show. Check that out, coming out uh, every Thursday. And again, folks, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this conversation with Chance Garten from the Interverse Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. With me today is a legend. Someone told me that he is a fellow synchro guru. And when I heard that, I said, wow, we got to get him on the show as soon as possible. His name is Chance Garten. He's the host of the Innerverse podcast. And they are, I think, uh, episode 255 right now. Is that correct, Chance? It depends on how you count. <laughs> well, you're up there. You're up there. You're in the 200 and, and something. And I got to say, when I took a look at your RSS feed and took a look at your show and listened to a couple episodes, I was very impressed. You know, I'm very surprised I hadn't heard of you before. Michael Wan and I, someone who you've had on your show, just started a new podcast together. And a fan of that show reached out and said, hey, you and Chance are my synchro gurus. I'm like, who is this guy, Chance? So without further ado, Chance, welcome to the show. How are you today, bro? Hey, I'm really good. I'm wondering who said that, but <laughs> putting me on a pedestal next to Juan is, I don't know if I'm all that yet, but I definitely like to get into the synchro stuff. That dude is the hero for me. One of, I look up to what he does, that whole wizard slash artist slash completely free model of the Aquarian positive aspects. Like I'm all about Michael Wan looking to have him back in November to do some calendar deconstruction and rhythms of nature reintegration. It's going to be cool. Yes. The 13 moon cycle. That's something that him and I have been talking about here and there. Well, let's go back. Speaking of time, when did this all begin for you, Chance? I mean, were you, like myself, a black sheep, kind of an outcast, interested in this stuff from an early age, or is this a more recent interest that's developed? This is, well, I think around, actually, it was like the whole 2012 thing. Something changed in me, even on the 21st that day. And maybe there was a bit of a buildup to getting interested in occult things, leading to that, but not so much. But after that 2012 year passed, 2013, really just brought in an entirely different me that was more the true me. I had some pretty amazing, expansive experiences where I kind of stepped into a lot of the things that I know now from a research perspective and an experience perspective. There was like this short-lived time in 2013 and into some of the beginning of 2014, where I was just intuitively on the same par as where I'm at now. And then I had to kind of, in that place, I had this vision of what I needed to be doing in the world or what my purpose was and how fun that was going to be. But it required that I get into the dirt and do some building 
And that's what I've been working on since 2015 is when I started the show. But I was definitely heavy into researching conspirituality <laughs> in a more and more extreme progression every year since 2012. The podcast was originally, Interverse was originally about wanting to demo how really incredible artists who were following just their soul's purpose for being in the world and living from their creativity and off their creativity. I wanted to bring those voices to the people and show how we don't have to be part of anybody else's matrix. We can actually just trust that the leap of faith will have wins to carry us if we are doing the right thing for ourselves. If it's the real fun, if it's our real mission, if we're giving permission to other people who see us to also live their highest purpose and have the most fun in life, then we get all the unseen forces you could imagine coming to our aid to show up right when we need this or that and keep us there. But I knew that and I wanted to show that to people, but then I had to go through some dark nights of the soul while making all the various serendipitous connections online and through the work of being a podcast host to eventually help me be there myself and trust that I could be there myself on the fully supported off my own creativity thing. So that's been a big journey and so much learning. And now it's a bit of a, how there's these seven year cycles or something, but I've circled back around to the point where I'm just living from the intuitive knowing and the research side of my life is just kind of for fun. And it does give plenty of heaps of gravy <laughs> to pile on to the intuitive <laughs> stuff, the synchro stuff. I mean, to be able to notice all the connections and everything at all times is just super fun. It shows the whole fractality of life, but mm. that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm just in it, man. I feel like there were these phases of getting my head above water, remembering who I am, what this whole dream is, and then sinking again, forgetting <laughs> and the wrong kind of sinking. Right. But that was all definitely fuel for the growth because sometimes if life was just comfortable, you know, if, if cooties didn't happen, maybe <laughs> some of us would have just stayed asleep. Or if 9-11 didn't happen, maybe some of us would have just been like, you know, normie life is good enough, but it's not. And we have plenty of reasons to know why now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Your story is resonating with me. 2012 was the year I graduated high school. So those two years before high school you know, ending were significant, getting into smoking weed, becoming the captain of my wrestling team. These kind of events in my life really, to me, facilitated my intuition. Did you have any components like that in your early days that maybe facilitated this intuitive sense that then carried you on through the, the following years? Absolutely. The green goddess was a big part of it. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Discovering her was huge because that that substance, I think we're getting a little too carried away with it in society. And I don't mm. mean that society doesn't need it and it isn't a healing tool, but it's like black, dark matter. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. It will just, if you don't all harness the fuel that's in that thing and all you do is just take it in and the potency is just going up and up 
it will actually just start dissolving things you don't want it to dissolve, in my opinion. So I experienced a little bit of that pendulum swing, but at the point where I really needed it and I was super locked into left brain, I couldn't have enough cannabis to break through some of those mental blocks and barriers and get creativity sparked and flow state and relaxation and all those things that are so crucial to being in balance. So that was a big part of it. Other plant medicines like psilocybin, huge part of it. Actually, that day, 20, 21st December 2012, was a wild day for me because I did some psilocybin that day. And then I hope dad's not listening, doesn't get mad about this, but it's legal <laughs> in your state now, dad. It wasn't back then. On the 21st of December, after this mushroom experience, I smoked some cannabis with my dad. And it was like this whole shift. That was the year I graduated college. So that was the shift. College just made me feel like I was in an extended high school experience. Right. And I never really was like, well, now I'm a man or now I'm grown up. That never felt like the case during college. It was like a big delay of game, in my opinion. Mm. There are some good things out of it, I suppose. But that point of, you know, puffing a few of the magic dragons with the dad was like a huge change because now I was seeing us as equals, as, as both adults, and it was helpful, very helpful. Wow. Wow. Yeah, man. That's, that's good to hear. I haven't had that moment with my dad. I think we've smoked like in the presence of one another possibly, but not like intentionally because he does, he does grow and smoke and I'm trying to blow up my dad's spot, but it is legal now here in my state as well. Not mushrooms though. <laughs> so we're already here so quickly. I mean, the title of the show, my family thinks I'm crazy chance. I got to ask you, does your family think you're crazy? Maybe particularly your dad? They did for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think what they see in me ideally is that I've been fearlessly changing and transforming myself towards what I think is healthier and more balanced for mm -hmm. many years now. And it is a slow adaptation process on the other side of them seeing what I'm doing and maybe choosing to experiment or integrate a few of those things. But I don't think they can deny that. <laughs> I don't think they could deny that I'm a whole different level than I was in that college phase of early adulthood. I mean, mm. I'm definitely way more expanded person, way more driven, way more excited about life, way more positive. Now, does my family think I'm crazy? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about my dad. He thinks that I'm crazy for not wanting to take over the family business and have like a sure thing of an income stream. And I'm over here like, dude, you made your entire business from you doing whatever you wanted with no special education or anything like, okay, he's a treasure hunter. Actually, it's pretty sweet. He goes out and looks for civil war relics with a metal detector and he got internet famous for being really good at it. And then started getting sponsored by manufacturers of the equipment and he sells it online now. And he has like a really lucrative, that's not even the business he wants me to take over. He wants to take over the one my mom has, but I think it's ironic that he is always giving me shit for not taking over the family stuff when his entire path was to like go blaze a trail through doing what he loved. I'm just like, do you not see <laughs> why you're wrong about why I should stay in the, the safe box? Like, but I don't know as parents well, age, I think they get more, more and more freaked out by the news and by 
this and that, and they just want what's best and they forget lose sight of some things that maybe motivated them when they were more inspired at a different phase of life. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because that's something I needed to hear. And the parallel of yourself and what you're doing and your father hunting physical treasure, it's kind of ironic that here you are exploring the inner verse for these jewels and your father's out there literally trying to dig them up. Civil war relics. Very cool. I mean, I've been noticing this topic come out of nowhere. Maybe we'll get back to your story uh, a little bit later because the Civil, into War, the, gravy. the Civil War era, I mean, come on, man, with the Tartaria stuff, that's just, I mean, doing this as long as you've been doing it, I'm sure you have a similar feeling to me. Like Tartaria just kind of came out of nowhere. Were you aware of it maybe before COVID? Because to me, it feels like, the the few months before COVID, boom, Tartaria just came out of nowhere. What are your thoughts on that? I think I've been looking at the material since maybe 2017. Okay. So I'm late to the game now. I, I and that's totally fine. But it's it's like, you know, for someone like your father who's looking into the Civil War history from this kind of I don't want to speak for him, I don't know him, but most likely a more mainstream lens. It's so interesting that now in this time, our generation is looking at that same time period with so much more profound questions that are really shaking the foundation of the whole set of history that we've been taught in the traditional school system. Is that, you know, come, have you, have you broached that idea with your father at all? The idea that maybe what he's looking at is not what he thinks it is. Only danced around it, like on my end, trying to data mine, but without crossing boundaries of belief too hard. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so in data mining from him has been very revealing because I think that it just supports the idea that the whole civil war story is completely different than what we're told. Like, and you know, I'm not one of those, everything's Tartaria people. I think it's just become a catch all word for the whole global civilization, but really if humanity was more generally enlightened at some point in history, which it looks like we definitely were maybe for most of the time. And this is just kind of a weird blip. We can talk about why the blip. I'm definitely game to talk about that, but the most likely thing would be that there wouldn't be a centralized single empire, but that everything was just the region you're in and the zone you're in. And that was the place. And that was the culture. There wasn't even really a place there wasn't the whole uh, uh, attachment to nouns person place thing (laughs) everything was a flowing continuum of interconnected webs of communication and collaboration that's what i would think that the old world would have been like and yeah you needed to name regions on a map and all that for cartography and it's not like human beings didn't have names but our association with those things would have been different if humanity was more enlightened because for me part of the path of getting out of all these mind boxes that the cats have been jumping into all around us and getting trapped in. <laughs> we need to not identify as things at all and stay in the process because that's the flow state. But back to the civil war stuff with my dad, he's like smart enough about it, researched enough about it on the local scene. We're in Southwest Missouri. He could probably be like a professor about Midwest civil war lore but 
a few interesting tangents about that would be first, a lot of the things that he has found were in areas in contradiction to what the story or the narrative said you would find or where you'd find it. Mm -hmm. So he does this whole, I think he does psychic archaeology and just doesn't know it, but he'll go out into an area where he thinks that troops were moving or camping. And then he'll look around and be like, okay, if I was these guys, where would I be walking? Like what path would I take? Where would I set up camp? Where's the shade? Where's the water source? And to me, that's kind of like super intuitive move. You know, it's not fully based on just trying to look at a map and this is where X marks the spot. He feels it out and he finds a lot of cool stuff, but that is interesting because it oftentimes contradicts the historical narrative. But then speaking of the historical narrative, it's a narrative, man. He has tons of books and I'll just like pull a few off the shelf sometimes when I'm visiting and crack them open in the book title. These are, he has old ass books, like early 1900s, some books over hundred years old. And the titles will be like, this is a history of general lion doing X, Y, and Z. And I laugh because I'm like, oh, he's lying, is he? <laughs> and the the story will be in the form of a story. It's like not even the way you would read a history textbook today where it's objective and dates and facts and listing all that. It's a, a crafted tale, a narrative about this is what happened in this area. And I keep finding books like that on a shelf. And I wonder, are these just propaganda pieces to give people the impression of what this conflict was like as opposed to the reality? I'm sure there's way more I could dig into there if I kept exploring what he knows and what he's got. And then I guess at some point I'll probably like inherit those crazy books and keep looking into it. I don't think the layers of this onion are going to peel themselves any more quickly than they've taken to become walls around our ability to perceive reality for what it is. If that makes sense. We've got a lot of peeling to do the Orion onion, but it's going to be fun actually like the mystery. I like, I like cutting through the illusions. I don't mind having a huge, long, epic main quest for this video game life. I prefer games like that. Yeah, man. And now, all right, I'm going to write this down. We'll come back to, to video game and simulation. But before we stray too far, you know, talking about your father's intuitive archaeology, it just brings me right back to what I wanted to ask you about with synchronicity, because I think you know, something Michael and I talked about, Michael Wan and I, deja vu being like a precursor for synchronicity. And this was an idea that kind of came to me. I put it up for him to respond to, and he thought it was interesting. But I'm wondering your thoughts on where intuition and synchronicity fit, because I found that it might be more true to say that intuition is a precursor for synchronicity like you, you this intuition sort of buds inside of you like a flower and then like you know this aroma from the flower gets generated and then the synchronicity bees start buzzing your way that's the way i've been seeing it lately but would that be true for your experience oh man the bees are just bzzz, all, all <laughs> kinds of electricity right now uh, so here's my <laughs> Here's my thoughts, man. I don't know about deja vu. That's a puzzle. It's so random for me that and jarring. A lot of times where I get the deja vu, oddly enough, it's in situations where I'm doing something that I don't really want to be doing for the rest of my life, but I've been doing too long. Like I get way, I would get way 
more deja vus when I was like at work doing my normie job than other times. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's like, hey, you have literally been doing this on repeat for years. Are you sure this is what you want? Mm. But synchronicity, this is a topic that I want to bring some nuance to, which is that I don't think it's all good. I think that Team Dark has ways of maneuvering chess pieces to create synchronicity in our life and draw us on wild goose chases or even destructive directions, just like our guides or our daimon or whatever personal angel crew, ancestor supporters, whoever they are, or all of the above. They obviously line things up for us in a positive way and miracles happen, but how do we tell the difference? And what is intuition? Because when you're not fully aware of what intuition is and how it works, and I'm going to explain that from my perspective, everything I say here today, guys, just what I think, you know, do your thing. I can accept the way you think too. But the, the real clutch thing to be able to tell a difference between one type or the other of the team dark or good team <laughs> intuition synchronicity thing is the body. So the more clear you can get about the communication signal between from your body to your mind and through feelings, the more able you're going to be able to tell, like, this is the right synchronicity to follow. And that's something that is a distraction at best, or even like a derailing. So, cause I've been, and now here's the thing too, even, don't worry. Like if you get into a wild goose chase synchronicity path and you get derailed, you still end up finding things out about yourself that you needed to know. One of the, which is like how to not get derailed. <laughs> There's this idea that comes from the book, the never ending story, which is that this is my interpretation maybe, but that we have the power to make any wish come true in this life or this dream. But the real trick is to know what the right wish is. <laughs> what do I really want? And yeah. Because if you wish for something that's not really what you truly want, you'll get it. And when you get it, you will lose part of who you are to get it. Because what you wish for. Yeah. Super true. So how do you get into tune with what you really want and what your what the best wish is for you at the time? Definitely get into communication with the body. All of life is this network of feedback webs. This is a new this is my new phrase for it, feedback web, because cyberneticists have been telling us about feedback loops for a long time and programming that idea into our mind because the way that they control humanity, just the same as they control machines, is with circular logic feedback loops. If you look, Juan pointed this out really well the other day during Lindsay Sharman's One Day of Brightness event, which is that if you look at false matrices, they always are their existence is justified by self-referential circular logic and it's basically like because i said so <laughs> at the end of the day and nature doesn't work in that type of they call it a feedback loop but it's really like a, a line that returns to where it began just like a that idea about if you keep walking forward on the globe you'll eventually come back to where you stood has anyone tried that i don't know <laughs> is that real but what the body is supposed to be, and it's a fractal of the whole cosmos, of course, is a feedback network, a feedback net, spider web, 
And every part of yourself should be in clear communication with every other part of yourself. And in having that channel open, then whatever needs to flow to uh, change, to bring healing to something that's off or needs detoxified or whatever the case may be, wherever the static is, the appropriate parts of the body that can help with that are going to be right there, ready to go. And everything's going to work itself out. But if your entire system is running on this CPU style, everything routed through the brain and the brain's not even paying attention to what's being routed to it, <laughs> the mind, instead of just a more holistic tr trust level communication of on the feeling side where you're really just tuning into feelings and not trying to figure them out so much as just going with the feelings that feel correct. This is a key and clutch and part of, I think the hack to other than obviously like extreme mindfulness of health and doing some on purpose, assisting your body to detox and getting into it work with people who can, who are like aura technicians, which I'm doing now myself with people to remove energetic blockages and tangles in the field on the electrical level. You do these type of things in conjunction with being super forthright about how you feel about things like we've been trained by new age, new cage for many years now that just positive vibes only positive vibes only. And look, it's always the half truth with these things that are there to keep us down under the guise of being helpful. Yeah, you want to focus on what you really want and you want to stay positive for sure. But if you got something festering inside you and you're struggling with it and you just hold it, you don't express it. It doesn't even necessarily have to be to another person. One of my favorite people told me this the other day about venting into a voice message on the phone and then just listening back to the message and the level of being able to first you got it out and second someone's hearing it and it's you that's hearing it but you're now shifting from the person feeling stuck in that energy to the observer of that energy mm. completely changes the whole game yeah so to get your inner communication network running again this is part of the challenge of overcoming the age of cooties and all the other things going on right now and that have been afflicting us for a while but it's super possible and once you once you make the switch when the flip is on and everything's talking to everything inside you and you're expressing everything that's inside you to the outside all the time, full time, it's like being invincible. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. And that's where we all need to get to. And this is the real nature of the flow state and how you get into remembering who you really are, that this is all a dream, that everything is for your, your enlightenment or your entertainment both and stay there and never forget again because i think that's what we need to save the world is to get there and never forget yes yes and this idea of the observer that you bring up i love that man because to bring back the green goddess every like i mean every little like hiccup in traffic that's pissed me off and caused me to like go outside of my higher self and then just you know go through that routine of like F you, you know, maybe this isn't true in Missouri, but on the East Coast up here in Connecticut, the traffic's pretty wild. So it gets like that. And it's always the green goddess cannabis that brings that feeling of like, 
reflection where I look at my actions maybe 10 minutes before or even an hour the day before and I think to myself like is that really how I want to conduct myself and then I make a, a, a productive change mentally and I think you know using cannabis properly is something I haven't done I've definitely overused it so you know now I'm I'm considering a lot you know, I, I love I love so much of what you've said so far, because even though cannabis is a, a crutch in that way and a healing tool in that way, I can't lean on it as much as I have because I might be going in circles, so to speak. You know, would would you agree with that? Is that the kind of caution you nailed that it? You were you're prescribing earlier? Yeah, and I only say this because I've been there. For a long time, I was a heavy user from the point of starting to really this year, halfway through the years when I started to kind of, well, no, it was tapering off for a while, but definitely this year, I finally got to the point where it was like, I can take as much time off as feels right and then get back into it. So what you've come to realize once you've gone through a lot of healing, think about it like this. Okay. There's a lot of nuance to get into here. But if you needed it to cross this vast sea of the unconscious and your boat was the green leaf floating on these tides of the deep waters of self, you get to the shore, all of a sudden you need to get off the boat, right? Maybe you'll cross water again at different parts, but the tool that got you there isn't the same vehicle that will get you through a different terrain. And you need to be an all-terrain vehicle here. And so like, think about it this way. If you felt way better because cannabis was helping you heal from stuff that was so broken, what about when you're not broken anymore? What does it feel like to not be on it? It feels great, actually. So there's this cool new level you reach where it feels good to not be on cannabis as much as it used to feel good to be on it. It's a paradox. And so you keep that in mind and it will help, but just also, I know you'll get it. Everyone out there will get it. It's not like it's, it's not like you're doing crack, <laughs> but yeah, it can you, be you a get looping that Dave thing. Chappelle feeling, you know, in the movie half baked when he's going to rehab and everybody gets pissed at him because he's there for weed. <laughs> exactly. But okay. So to, to address the loop thing, my, my thoughts on it, i I'm quite sure I picked up elements of this idea from Seven Seven Beaumart Secret Energy a long time ago on a series he did called The Keymaker. So much gold in there. Go back to it. Keymaker series, the original. So good. In the first episode of it, or maybe it was episode zero, he talked a lot about cannabis and some deep stuff. And I uh, think the best way to paraphrase what is relevant here is that any substance like that that's psychoactive it's opening up it's opening you up on many levels maybe even if you do enough or it's the right kind of substance you're opening up every chakra more than it was because you've been in defense mode you've been closed communications are off compartmentalized the walls are up right armor and when you open these things up you're taking in more light more data more sensory experience of the world and it's true that what you experience becomes a part of you permanently. And 
one of the reasons why we get so closed off when we're in a phase of life or we're doing something repetitively that we really don't like or we wish we didn't have to do, we're closing ourselves off and distracting ourselves and kind of evacuating ourselves spiritually and going on autopilot through that stuff because we're trying on an unconscious level or our soul level is trying not to take too much of this bullshit in and not go crazy from it, not become the Borg, not assimilate to the hive mind. It's our deepest, deepest threat, I think, is to lose individuality to the hive. And so with that in mind, if you're prying open your chakras with a crowbar and then you're going into the cubicle every day, you might not get out of the cubicle because you're taking in the energy of the cubicle at high levels and you might feel better while you're there and it's kind of more interesting and neat for some reason, or you're just more relaxed about it or whatever, but there's all that. And then there's the reality of like, if you've been on it full time for a long time, you really don't know how sharp you are off it. You might feel like I'm doing great while I'm on it and everything's going great. And it probably is, but especially if you've done a lot of healing since you began the cannabis journey, you don't know how sharp you are off it. <laughs> I just will say that like your, your sword is being sharpened through all of those experiences of getting more whole. And now it's time to wield it. And I don't think a samurai would choose to get super baked before getting into a sword fight. <laughs> maybe some really good samurai would maybe at a point that won't be a problem anymore. Or maybe if you really love sword fights, you would because you want more sword fights in your life. So check it out. If you think about times where it was great to be on cannabis all the time, what were you doing in those times? Where did it never really get in the way or trip you up? To answer that question for myself, I got into the music festival scene and that was a big part of me discovering who I really was and that creativity was my spiritual path and I didn't need anyone else's. And so in that type of world, you know, a four day weekend, camping, music, friends, art, all of the good stuff. I can just, I can smoke so much. I can do dabs. I can do all the heavy duty stuff and more. But then like, if I bring that level of intake back into normie world, it's a problem. <laughs> I can't do it. So my point is that if you're really funning, then you can probably handle more of it. And it's good maybe too, because you're like, what you're opening up to and absorbing is love and what you love. So yeah, integrate that, bring it in. But there's also something to be said about being in those spaces of love while also really sharp. And so it's cool to have an on and an off and a balance. And I hope this conversation inspires that in some people who it felt the same way. George Carlin says something funny. He's like, it, there comes a point where it begins to suggest its own disuse. And if that is the case for you, go with it. It's totally safe. It's actually way easier to do that than to quit some other things that are actually addictive chemically. So that's my long ramble on it. And that's some of the stuff I've thought about that's helped me uh, get to the point where I'm more balanced with it. Right. Right. Cause you know, to bring it back to what you said, you know, it could be a new age, it could be a new cage. And, and I think there's definitely that very, you know, available road to overuse, especially when it comes to concentrates. I mean, you know, I'm sure you're aware of alchemy 
I just had Benjamin Balderson on the show. He's been on your show, I believe. That dude's got a high tolerance. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. And, you know, he's Yeah, but got, he's doing wizard business, so it's all good. Right. And that's like, that's the part for me where I'm like, well, if we can concentrate this down to like the strongest level, and this is a total beautiful medicine, right? You know, that needs to be taken with a huge dose of responsibility. But then if you take that same process and then you put it on a plant that maybe doesn't have the same spiritual implications like the coca leaf, it has really destructive Ew. ability. I mean, look, I mean, cocaine is essentially a concentrated form of that plant. I mean, maybe the refinement process isn't as holistic as something like what an alchemist does like Benjamin Balderson, but it is a form of alchemy. You know, these hard drugs that we see in our modern world are alchemized to be that way. Have you looked into the roots? I mean, you use the word, the age of the cooties. I love that. But have you looked into the, the sort of history of the medicinal fields, the, you know, medical industry and then the Rockefeller medicine. Yeah. And then the <laughs> pharmaceutical industry and how they all kind of tie in. I'm, I'm sure you have. Yeah. Pharmacopia or whatever the root word in Greek is refers to witchcraft. And it also has a connotation of scapegoat. So as we watch the controlled demolition of governments in the ploy to usher in, a widely accepted and demanded one world government, the pharmaceutical companies are dual use, just like the research on viruses and gain of function. Dual use as in a commercial purpose and a military purpose. Commercial purpose is of course, making money on all the cow pokes. That's my code word for the uh, poison dart. Cause vaca means cow in Latin, V-A-C-C-A. Mm. So herd immunity, right? Right. <laughs> making money on that cowpoke and making money on the health decline of everyone that took it as they now enter into the cardiac wards and other places that plottage can cause them to land. So there's that. That's the commercial use. And then military use is the restructuring of government that's going to inevitably follow once there's a lot less people in the world to resist it. And the thing that they didn't count on, I, I think, is that they're kind of eroding their support for a one world government <laughs> by killing those people. I don't want people to die, but I know that some have and more will. And it's a harsh reality. And I don't think it needed to go this way. I think it wasn't true that we were overpopulating. We were just doing it wrong. And I think it's going to go better than most people that are aware of the conspiracies really think it would go. I think it's going to be all right. I share that same optimism with you. And I think it's because, you know, and you can appreciate this with the many years of studying you've done. It's a matter of knowing, you know, and they rely on our ignorance to a large degree. And they, as you really put it out there so eloquently, they're, you know, killing off their own, what do we want to call them? I mean, they're human beings like you and me, but I tend to think that we all come here for different reasons. And some of our vessels, if you, if you will, are filled with light bodies that are at this high frequency. And some are maybe like 
new to the game and are young souls, so to speak, and are more able to be pushed around by these nefarious team dark players who are aware of the actual laws of nature. Would you agree with this? Do you think that people are, are kind of, you know, all in their own path, so to speak? I do. I kind of have, this is another seven Bomar inspired idea. That guy's always full of good ideas. And that I heard it from him. I'm sure it's not anyone's original idea because these things that come through the real gnosis, not pop culture, dogma, Gnosticism, but the inner knowing, the intuition, the body communication thing, they come to all of us that are in the flow state together at similar time for a reason. It's because this is all one life force energy. And when we're connected to the life force energy, it tells us what we all need to be on in our own way and version of it. So why is this happening? Why is cooties a thing? I mean, whatever you accept about it, I'm more convinced that viruses do exist, but only man-made. So kind of a middle ground approach to the terrain versus germ, germ theory right. jam. I think they've been making viruses for a long time, like way before, like pre in previous resets, <laughs> not a new thing at all. Just scrape some pus out of your farmyard animals and do some other nasty things to it. But right. So why is it happening? Seven brought up this idea of how there are billion dollar corporations out there with incredible network infrastructure and all of this database management going on, massive layers of security, cybersecurity, and they will put out a prize, $100,000, $1 million, if you can crack our network and show us where our vulnerabilities are. And if you go far enough with that, we'll pay you. If you can really help us upgrade and update and seal the holes and the gaps. You see where I'm going with this? Because life is a giant net. It's a network. It's a net fun. <laughs> if it's doing it right, it's not work. It's fun. It's a net fun. <laughs> That's a new word. <laughs> and when life is ready to expand into new kinds of fun, Usually, I think it goes through this process of hiring some hackers to come in and play the role of villain to expose to the rest of life where the holes are in the process, where the flaws are in the creative magic and manifestation. And that's the real process of evolution, Ooh. not a Darwinian thing. It's yes. a spiritual thing. It was always a spiritual idea that then... Like many other things that the occult, the sorceress, dark occultists do, they take an internal idea and externalize it and push it that way and make that the exoteric information while they retain the esoteric. So esoterically, all evolution is spiritual evolution. To the masses, it's all about your, monk, your uncle was a monkey or whatever. So that's fun. But that's the whole move is that right now, the things we're seeing happening, if we correctly debug this virus <laughs> it never this will never happen again ever i mean new crazy shit will happen but we'll be on other levels yeah dude oh my goodness i love this this is bringing to mind what brandon thomas from the expanding reality podcast spoke to me about this idea that life 
is a stage and some of us play the villain. And I love the way you put it. You know, these hackers come in and they figure out the holes in the reality. And then us who have kind of beforehand, maybe uh, as Sam Tripoli likes to say, when we saw our parents having sex and said, yes, they're the ones, they're going to be my parents. And then incarnated into this form. I think it wasn't just based on like, oh yeah, my parents were banging that way and I loved it so I you know that had nothing to do with it I think it's funny Sam says that I just saw him last night perform live so it's off the top of my head here but you know when it comes to this idea of reincarnation and pre-life consciousness I think there's a large degree of that exactly what you just described and maybe there are people who come into this life this 3d 4d reality with the intention of I'm going to play the bad guy, but that's in the grand scheme for the best, you know, it's for the greater good, so to speak. It's a very powerful idea. And I think it's one of these ideas that can really free you from the black pills that, you know, are being dispensed on podcasts, unlike yours and mine, my friend, because I think what we've been, you know, creating you much longer than I have is hope and optimism and what people are calling white pills. You know, I don't like the idea uh, that we're going to use conspiracy tenants and, and my pills are them. clear, bro. Yeah. Clear pill. Clear yeah. pill? Invisible pill. No yeah. pill at all. <laughs> I'm into, see, I'm into uh, scrapping it's all about getting that. Clear. Yeah, I'm into scrapping that. We don't need big pharma to, to be a metaphor for <laughs> truth. So, but either way, you know, that aside, you bring up the idea of like them scraping off the, you know, some pus out of a farm animal, disgusting, don't like to talk about that stuff. But since we're here, uh, past guest on the show, Andreas Sigzertis, who is like a Tartaria kind of dude, he's definitely one of uh, the main researchers I've heard talk about it. I need to scope your catalog to poach some... Oh, please. by mind. all means, me and you are going to have some calendar sw- or uh, some like uh, Rolodex swapping for sure. I'm in. But, uh, but so Andreas brought up this idea of a place called Hogs Bay typically refers to a type of biological warfare that was practiced in the you know 15th, 16th, 17th century, where they would take pigs, bring them to a place, and you know because pigs carry all these different bacterias and and maybe viruses with them. I'm with you in the whole viruses are man-made, but this goes to show a practice in history where they were using pigs as biological warfare. To me, that's like, wow, okay, this goes, this goes way back. And to connect it all to Tartaria, I mean, it doesn't seem like what we have now is the pinnacle of technological innovation. If anything, we're working with the scraps of some advanced civilization that was here before these cataclysms that guys like Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock are writing a lot about. Is that where your mind goes when you look at the Tartaria stuff and, and, you know, this idea of an enlightened age, or would you consider it more of like a 5D Shambhala, you know, super heady in a different vibration? No, dude, it's right here. <laughs> right. This is it. Uh, more, the more clear you get about where you really are, the more magical things get. And there's more, you detect the vibration more, no mm-hmm. doubt. 
there's a point where you feel the vibe and if you start following it, it takes you everywhere. That's where I'm at, but it's also not another place. It's not somewhere to escape to. It's all about realizing that heaven and earth are the same thing. It's all one thing. And it's all perspective that keeps you separated or lack of communication. If you go back to that metaphor. So we were talking about the using pigs as biological weapons just made me think of Monty Python and the Holy Grail where they're launching cows at the French over the walls. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So anyway, there's that. I think there's a real thread here to get into. Hmm. It's hard for me because I'm still piecing this together. And a lot of it is pretty much largely thanks to my good friends over at the Weaving Spiders Welcome podcast, where I as regularly as possible co-host with them on Saturday nights. Check out that channel if you want the real synchro gravy. There's nothing like it. They're they're the real web weavers. I'm telling you, they need more exposure. So good. And one of the spiders, a recent a recent addition to our crew, a guy named Slick Dissident. Well, at least that's his YouTube handle, Slick Dissident. He was a recent guest on my show, too. We didn't get into this much on our conversation, but we're about to do more on it. But he is into this entire idea of toxoplasmosis and other forms of parasites being at the root of why humanity is in this vibrational dissonance between and confused about like how to best care for themselves. And having trouble with it. Mm. Interesting. There's a lot of a lot of stuff to unpack here. First, like the uh, the RH negs seem to have a natural immunity to toxoplasmosis. The Royal House RH. Yeah, yeah. Past guest on my show, Brad Olson, claims that his family's RH negative. I'm RH like, neg. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. We got another <laughs> lizard person. But not all lizard people are bad, folks. Let's remember they come in all shapes and sizes. Have some I'm a regular person, though. I have no lizardness. I'm like super hot blooded, actually. I can project yeah. so much heat out of my body. Is that well, not well, right? For keep lizard? going. I don't want to derail you. That's not. <laughs> you offended not... me by calling me a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean it with love. Me. I mean I'm just kidding, love. dude. Yeah. So let's get further into this cat gravy. And I mean, literally cat gravy because where is the seat of this evil empire empire m being the number 13 higher the fire the men of fire the pyramid the pirates the masons the skull and bones where's the epicenter of this vatican right but what is the name of the church catholic okay now here comes where the weirdness comes in big all right and stay with me everyone it's really there's really something to this we just need to figure it out this is cutting edge (laughs) cat hole lick catholic cat hole lick there are all these reports if you go looking of the templars and even other secret societies with initiation rites about kissing the asshole of a cat why would this happen? And were cats not very important as a religious icon in ancient Egypt? Was it, is the toxoplasmosis parasite known by the royal houses? They know that it doesn't affect their people the way it affects their slave race. 
Is it something that you have initiates do so that they're more, because, okay, we need to back up what's toxoplasmosis. Maybe not everyone knows about it. It is a parasite that causes reckless behavior and attraction to cats, among other problems. Actually, every mammal that we care for in like a livestock or a pet way, they've all got a schedule of how to deal with parasites, how to remove parasites, how to protect from parasites. What about you, though? Anyone ever taking uh, and keeping an eye out for you and parasites, yo? Does that ever come up from your... No, never. A white lab coat? (laughs) Oh, my. Yes. I mean, my friend Alex Stein, host of the Conspiracy Castle podcast, I think he definitely has toxoplasmosis. We've talked about this on the show with multiple guests. So what do the what's the people call it the predator class? But what are the royal houses really? Parasites on the earth, man. They are. Who who controls the governments? The poly ticks, poly many ticks, blood sucking, nasty insects, right? So you're anyway, it no- all down. I love it. No, and and you know what else you're bringing to mind? That horrible, not that it was horrible, but it was just kind of graphic episode of South Park where they're all getting high yep. off the cats and they have them like strapped to these like weird They're letting you know. I mean, yeah, that's they're exactly it. it. Oh my gosh. Chance. Yeah. Wow. Weaving spiders, welcome, folks. Check, check that them out. out and check out Slick Dissident on YouTube. That guy needs yeah. people to look at him. He's so good. Wow, wow, yeah. This is this is making a lot of sense. And you know what? It also brings to mind because parasites are in this same sort of realm. Not to say like that they're equal, but in a yin yang maybe sort of way. Like fungus and parasites kind of have these same qualities. Yet, like fungus has maybe more benevolent qualities. We can eat it. We can trip off of it. it. There are toxic mushrooms out there, but it is interesting. Like these uh, mushrooms and parasites seem to be in this maybe sub layer of consciousness, almost like archons or, or two, like 2d beings. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on the, like the multi-dimensional component of this? Oh man. Well, that's an, that's a good question. <laughs> Probably going to take a lot, but I'll do my best to be concise. I want to think about that word parasite because it just, now that I'm on the green language vibration right now, I'm seeing things from that perspective of right and left brain at the same time, not just the left brain colloquial definition of a word. So pair a sight, pair of sights, two eyes. Double vision, conflicting, contradicting information, left-right polarity paradigm, as opposed to the eye single, the all-seeing eye, the inner sight, right? So if we're all inflicted with parasites by parasites, is that a symbolic aspect of the division program that is the exact way that these parasites actually take power from us? And it's the exact way that our vulner- our weakness, and I won't say vulnerability, but our weakness and our loss of will and loss of selfhood and memory loss in the literal sense. We can talk about the bioelectric field more if you want to. But the what damages that is compartmentalization, division, internal division, 
lack of communication within from one part to another and a parasite is symbolic of that in my opinion it's a divided vision divided communication but what was the question let's get back to that archons right yeah, and how that? how well, maybe these these things that we know as parasites and and fungus how they because clearly we see how fungus has this sort of multi-dimensional capability at least when it interacts with our consciousness or seemingly so i wonder you know what these you know we can't call them plants they're not plants but what these single cell organisms what their spiritual or multi-dimensional nature is and maybe if that plays into this idea of an archon controlling this reality we're in i mean the empire i love the way you broke that down even parasite parasite for those i mean you had santos banachi on i've had santos on syncretism is is a huge component to understanding this but you know, back to that question, what do you think the multidimensional nature of these single cell organisms like parasites or fungus, what are, what are they? Can I answer that in like seven more years? Cause I'm going to do some mapping. <laughs> <laughs> That's my next job. <laughs> I'm going to try to map some of this out. Cause it's all very murky to me too, but you know, I can answer from personal experience that the, the mushroom never like tried to hurt me. <laughs> right. I remember one of the first times I ever used them and I'm not like a heavy user either, but first times, one of the first times I used them, I was taken on this like visionary experience. Might've been the very first time I ever did it actually, where I went on this inner journey through the astral realms. I didn't even know what it was at the time. I thought it was kind of like this fever dream. Guess it was, but I was shown these goddesses that were representatives of different psychoactive plant medicines that I was going to try in my future, in my pretty near future, it turned out. And they came to me and I never expected or intended to try any of those things. Mushrooms was like a big deal that I even decided to do it. I had been peer pressured by a certain friend for a while. I finally gave in. And yeah, and then I had this vision of all the different ones that I was eventually going to try. Oops, I dropped something. <laughs> and it all came true in that order. So that was weird. And I think that generally, yeah, all, all good experiences, all for my growth, uh, what we know about psilocybin that it does in the brain after some recent John Hopkins University studies that came out is that the blood flow between brain compartments is increased and the barriers between compartments is, are let down. So your brain temporarily looks, temporarily looks more like an infant brain where every part has blood flow to every other part instead of having these more rigid wall-like structures that define our personality and our neural circuitry and the thought patterns and behavior patterns that we find comfort in. They're literally like grooves in the record of our gray matter that these trenches, the flow of our life force energy or blood doesn't cross over these trenches. It just sinks into them or is blocked by them, so to speak. So the idea that mushrooms actually lower those barriers to me speaks to them being on a spiritual plane, more of a holistic type of consciousness that basically my thinking is that 
this is how we also change the world and influence the world and help other people is that the mind or the consciousness that knows that the other is actually it, a part of it, will always have a vibrational superiority or coherence, so uh, more coherence than the mind that thinks it's separate. And what we know about frequency and wave form dynamics and audio, DO, AU is gold, DO is God, sound is the golden God, but what we know about it is that when you have a harmonic vibration, that means a coherent pattern that stays coherent, no wobble, then other vibrational patterns that are dissonant and off balance and wobbling and not in a perfected rhythm will over time entrain to the harmonic frequency and embed within it in a way that matches that rhythm. It's a strange thing, but that means that whatever mind or consciousness knows that it's whole and is in coherence with itself, then the dissonant energy around it will adapt to the energy of the wholeness every time. It's automatic. So being in flow, being in the fun, having the time of your life, these literally change the reality around you. They change other people around you. And it's the only effective way to change anything. It's not true that the consensus reality is an illusion. What's an illusion is that you have any external control over it. You got one thing, and that is your vibe, period. Frequency and vibration is, the, is what the universe is. The consensus dream are the waves and ripples and artistic expressions of us interpreting that frequency and vibration. But since all we have any agency over is our own frequency, our own vibration, our own coherence, that's also the only thing that can influence the external reality at all, which is a reflection of the inner. Like the alchemical statement that from the inward doth the outward roll, and in the inmost dwells the utmost soul. That's what we got to keep in mind. That's the secret. They don't want you to know. <laughs> they want you raging against the machine, going out there fighting the battle that they already are well equipped to win, but they can't do anything about you being in flow. Mm -mm. That totally flips the script and kicks the table over and yeah, new game. And that's where we need to get to. And this question overrides any ideas of archons. If we want to talk about that more, that's fine. I find it interesting to look at it from as many angles as possible. Right now I'm reading Pierre Sabak's work where he just has so much etymological gravy about the watchers and the seraphim and all the different languages that have the similar structures of puns and linguistic connections that suggest the whole reptilian thing might have some actuality to it. And I'm still reading his work. It's really dense, highly recommended. You need to buy the books from him. He doesn't do online books, no ebook, but check out Pierre Sabak. Pretty good stuff. He's been on THC recently, and Seven Bomar interviewed him last year on the Understanding YouTube channel. And I think Pierre's got his own channel too, but reading his book is great. But on the other side of this, from my own etymological studies into words like archon and demiurge, I just keep coming back to human rulers, to royal houses, to men who set themselves up to be gods and even the word god in the original definition of the word 
I'm a big fan of Webster's 1828 dictionary. If you want to get to the heart of what something was supposed to mean, or at least more original, maybe not still the original, but it's a good place to go. The word God, one of the definitions of God, is a prince, ruler, magistrate, or judge. A judge. And even back in the day, the word plea was pray. Like when you're in court, how do you plea? They used to say, how do you pray? Because you were praying to a God. And that's the game that's always been in place is to make some people think that they're higher than others and other people think they're lower than the high ones. And reality will conform to that belief structure for sure. But it's really not relevant to where we're going if we want to continue expanding into the good stuff, the (laughs) infinite possibilities that life is actually supposed to be about yeah yeah right on i mean and i'll take it a one one step further i mean pray and pray like the the word pray with the e i mean we're becoming a form of prey in this spiritual warfare you know as opposed to being a, a predator you know and, and that's not to say that predators are, are necessarily bad i mean a lion takes care of its cubs it takes care of its family but you know it'll kill (laughs) it'll kill its own kind it'll kill other types of animals humans are no different in a lot of ways but i think this idea of uh spiritual warfare it's like we're born into this reality or this perception with the cards stacked against us and then when you realize that the cards are like super light and you can just push them off and start your own game you know things become totally different because essentially we're all magicians we can all create our own reality but these folks who've gotten ahead of it all the ever-present they have just created a sort of culture through which their magic works best on us and then by the time we figure it out, most of us, it's too late. Would would you agree with that last statement there? Oh, yeah. It's through the language. It's through the ritual. A bunch of... This is why when you get into the researching the occult, everything is just cor- correspondences, correlations, and connections because the spellcraft was always about sympathetic magic, get people to act out certain beliefs in certain archetypes, and then their internal zodiac where those archetypes live in the in realness (laughs) on the inside then those internal archetypes will play the role that they've been programmed with and things and strange forces and bad ideas will channel themselves through you until you get into communication with that inner zodiac and start figuring out what these characters have been up to and realize that you're not at archetypes archons this is I think where there's a lot of confusion, you're not at the mercy of the archons. You're not at the mercy of the archetypes or your chakras or the organs. These aren't things to get free of, to eliminate. These are just parts of the multifaceted, multifaced, super divine God in birthing inside the cosmic egg womb matrix that is this dream. And you have infinite faces and each one has infinite possibilities (laughs) you can look at it that way and that we influence the archetypes slash archons 
through our conversation with them, through our dialogue, dialogos, two logoses, the innate spirit that we're in communication with and that is a reflection of what we truly are in our wholeness and totality. And then our ego self or, you know, the character that we play in this particular go round, they have a dialogue, both need the other to exist. Consciousness requires a contrarium. Otherwise, who's going to see you if a bear shits in the woods, you know, (laughs) does it even matter? So we get into this inner communication, this dialogue, we change the archons slash archetypes. We influence the way that they play out in the external world. They go from being, you know, tyrannical masters to the miraculous angels that show up on our path right when we needed them to for the next stage of our expansion. Yeah. Wow. I've got a lot of studying to do, man. I've been taking notes over here. I'm wondering in the age of cooties, as you put it, I love that. It feels like, you know, more and more people have created podcasts. It seems to be like a a trend in the last two years, which is great for us, brings more people to shows like yours and Tinfoil Hat. But, you know, given that not everyone can start a podcast, you know, I found huge personal growth through doing it. So I don't want anyone to hesitate. If you think it's the right thing to do, go for it by all means. But realistically, not everyone's going to have the compunction or what it takes to do a podcast for more than a year. You know, do you think there are uh, other ways that folks can sort of do what I think a lot of people achieve with a podcast, which is like an actualization of self. I mean, that's at least how I've described it. Do you think that, you know, you have some solutions? I mean, I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but I like to end the show with some solutions. And dude, you've given us so much advice already. I'm wondering for the folks out there who might be in a position like, oh, this, you know, cow pokes really, stressing me out i might lose my job i don't know what i'm gonna do do you have any advice or solutions for the folks out there in that position well i'm really sure that it always is coming back like this is a newer realization for me that's why i'm hammering it so much today but communication is the thing dude right so that's why podcasting has been so beneficial to you and to me is because we get to have this communication long form communication extended contact continually developing into whatever direction feels most interesting, but not everyone's going to have the aptitude or like desire to be the one on stage. That's so all good. Makes total sense. But division is the weapon of the dark Lord. (laughs) Sauron's always trying to divide everybody. So find a community. If the, and this is my advice to podcast hosts too. Find a community. Don't just do this where, you know, you have contact with the audience, but it's all in these one-on-one things. Get your audience in contact with your, your, your audience. That has been the real key for me in expanding this year is that I made a telegram group and it just exploded instantly. And now there's just this super lit nonstop. It's like if you had a good live chat going on a, a stream, but it never ended. And you see just a lot more 
just constant uplift the people talking to each other realizing that they're not the only ones no finding out oh wow we actually live in the same state oh wow we could meet up and it's just going to grow from there so i think a key would be find the others if you haven't already and if you think you have then just lean into that see how that goes and i would do think you need to get off of the zucker graham fed book type social medias get on to telegram i think that's the best one right now because the only functionality is really communicating with each other you know a group chat or a channel that updates for your content or one-on-one or smaller group chats what i think is cool is when a topic gets going and then the people who are really into it go and make a subgroup that's just them where they go further and now you've got an archive and you can use some functionality like pinning messages to like keep track of important stuff and you have an archive of this dialogue or maybe not a dialogue maybe it's a trialogue or a hexalogue depending on how many people are in the small group that also holds on to your research like notes and you're all sharing links and there's no sensors there's literally no advertisement other than people you know plugging their own stuff shamelessly which i'm guilty of all over the place in various groups but it's a different thing there's not this whole like profile picture posturing i mean maybe in some parts of telegram there is but if you find the right groups and the right people you're really just in for communication even if you're kind of shy about it and you just watch but get in there and talk get in there express yourself what hurts people so much that get into conspirituality i think is that they feel isolated and there's nobody to talk to about all the gravy that they're constantly ladling out of the internet where other people are just stuck on cat videos. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the name of my show, man. And it's equally true. If it, I called it, my friends think I'm crazy, but what's so cool is all of the friends I've made since really getting out into this world as a host myself and obviously working for Sam kind of put the, you know, hit the, the gas pedal to the floor and accelerated it really quickly but you know either way yeah man i'm totally inspired i mean i've talked to you a little bit about the cooperative i i started where we built which a is awesome of i gotta podcasters. say Props, dude well thank you and and but i'm so inspired by this idea that you're bringing up of telegram i mean i feel like a fool for not setting it up already because it would be great it's easy yeah, all you don't have to like fill out 99 different fields of information <laughs> yeah. the way like to make a Facebook page. It's literally like you make a channel and a group and it has a name and a description and that's it. Right. <laughs> You're done. So get in there, man. It's easy. It's like yeah, it's a breath of fresh air. It's like the old reminds me of the old days of the Internet where we we're on AOL Instant Messenger. And it was mm. just about chatting with people that you were drawn to talk to and it wasn't about like how you're going to look to the world. But can I, I kind of cut in, can I promote my new show real quick? Please. Yeah. By all means. All right. So interverse was not enough. One show a week just wasn't cutting it. Once this whole community thing started to really materialize and inspired by the more free form shows like weaving spiders. Welcome. That I've been a part of, I made a new one called vibe rant. It's, it's two words, vibe rant. <laughs> it's a, uh, Play on the word vibrant if you didn't get that. Some people do, some don't. So what we do there is I usually have a guest, but it's like no format restrictions, no rules. And my main goal is to have some belly laughs and 
fun. And also, you know, we'll talk about interesting stuff, but it's usually like me and a specific guest or two, but then we take call-ins and voicemails and people share memes with us and we run all that through Telegram. So people in the vibrant Telegram channel will leave a two or three minute voicemail or ask a question of us and we play that on the air live or we give them the link and they just call in with us for a little bit. And it's kind of partially about helping the people who felt invisible not feel invisible or having I realized like seven boomer also taught me this you really can't just do this work and there's nowhere for anyone to land you know if you're if you're about more than just entertainment or infotainment if you're about actually making some changes happen and ripples you need a place for people to land and I didn't really know how I was going to do that with the limited resources available to me and then Telegram came into my awareness and it was just like, here's a place to land. And then I was so inspired that Vibrant became a thing. We're on episodes, we've done six now. I had a really fun one with Matt Landman a couple of weeks back, but that's on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. to usually later than 10, but at least till 10 p.m. typically, but no format restrictions. Maybe someday it'll be a short one. I doubt it though, because we get so into it. It's a live show. It's on my YouTube channel, Interverse Podcast. I've kept it all on Rockfin and YouTube currently because it's more video oriented. I haven't been putting it on my RSS feed. So I'm sure there's people out there that follow my stuff that still don't even know that Vibrant is a thing, but it is really fun. I'm already like wanting to do two a week because <laughs> it's so fun and it's like way less intense on the production side. Not that Interverse is that intense anymore. I've gotten really good at my templates, but yeah, I'm really loving it. It's super cool to be doing both now. I feel like I can really get into the more serious gravy on Interverse and the deep research and the type of guests that like to be in that environment while now also having a place to honor the intention from back in the day for that was my podcast host intention, which was to like highlight creative people and artists and have fun and do it free expression style. I lost sight of that a bit during the onset of cooties, especially because it was like, well, it's going down. Shit's hitting the fan. <laughs> which side are you on? You know, I had to really go deep onto the conspirituality aspect of what I'm about. And it's good that I did. It helped me connect to the right people. But now I want to have fun and I want to bring levity to the space because this stuff is way too serious and we need the laughter. We definitely need the laughter. It's healing, super, super healing and easy, low pressure, and you still get the gems and jewels and, and nuggets of great awareness out of it. And another new thing I'm doing, because I just can't get enough of making videos for all of us to connect over, and, and to see how we're all connected through is mornings. I put out a Oracle. I call it the interversal Oracle. <laughs> so I draw three cards off of my, I got this really inspired by Michael Wan Cause last time we talked, he said he drew three cards from three different decks every morning. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And I started doing that. And then I would leave, I would show, share them in telegram and I would leave like a little three or five minute voicemail about what the cards meant. And then the voicemail started getting to more like 10 minutes and then they turned into videos over telegram. And then I was like, I'm just going to do them everywhere. And so now it's a live stream in the morning where I cover the three cards and averaging more around 20 minutes each morning. But it's really wild how they flow one day to the next, how they reflect the sky clock 
even though I'm pulling random cards out of three different decks, how each card tells a story with the others and how the people that come in in the comments or they respond to it in the, the Telegram channel are like, yeah, I do that card today too. Or that's exactly what's going on in my life, the dynamic you just described. And it's proof that if we're in, if we're in flow, then we're all in the same no, like GNO. And I, I say that those who flow together know together. And it's a real thing because the flow state you're tapping into, this inner fire, the spiritual energy is life force energy. And life is one. That's the thing that there is one of. It's one life, one life force energy, all interconnected in a web. So when you're keyed into it, you're literally feeling the same feeling as all the other people that are connected to it and not disconnected. And it's the disconnected people that are trapped in illusions and misinterpreting what they're feeling and being attached to a story over listening to or experiencing and perceiving capital R reality. Now, if we can get into that a little bit, because I, I remember you, you said towards the beginning of our conversation, something about you prefer to call it perception versus reality. Is there, is there a, a stipulation there that you can I expand on? Well, maybe I'm paraphrasing, but you said something that made me remember that. Maybe I'm just having a stoner moment right now. No, it's okay. It's good to address. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a paradox worth addressing, yeah. which is that we all have our own perspective on truth. Okay. And there's many ways to describe truth accurately, but there's no way to actually describe truth to totally. The Tao that can be named is not the Tao. And there is some objective shit that the truth is not. So we get really tied up in the scene, certain natural law teachers and things like that. And I was there too for a while. They're like, this is the only thing that is the way to look at it. And this is the truth. This is the truth. But actually, you could come up with a whole cartoon storyline that was still containing as much truth as the deep hermetic philosophy teachers. <laughs> and you'd still be equally right with that description. And it might even be more fun and colorful. Now, I do not agree with moral relativism. There are things that are wrong and they're wrong and that's what they are. And that part of circumnavigating the infinity of truth is really only achieved by ruling out that which it is not. So reality is a perspective thing. And there's a bunch of different perspectives that are equally valid. And then there's some shit that is just flat out wrong. And so it's both. And my really, my thing about like, what's the shift to 5D or quantum or whatever, if there is such a shift occurring, it is because we are demolishing the Masonic pillars, the Yakim and Boaz, the good guys and the bad guys. And we're moving from a true false type of test in the universe university into a multiple choice. And the reason this is empowering is because <laughs> my friend says the rules of improv are yes. And, and no, but so you don't just refute somebody because you see it differently. Try to look for the middle ground or the commonality. And then if you do need to refute something, offer up a harmonious 
not rebuttal, but like replacement for them to maybe jump into and see if that'll connect. But let's definitely get out of the, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, if you're right all the time, what about left? What's left? <laughs> yeah. What are you leaving behind? What have you left behind by being the only one who's right? You've left behind a half of yourself and you'll never get out of this 180 degree division trap in that like you can only see 180 degrees with these two eyes, the parasite. But if you get into your inner eye, your inner sight, just like someone who's practiced meditating can tell you things about the room that they're in with their eyes closed while they're in the state. I personally know this for a fact, like sometimes when meditating, I can see the whole room in 360 degrees with my eyes closed. It's not the same as seeing with the pair of sight, but it's possible. Blind sight is a thing. Look into blind sight, training kids to see without while blindfolded, all very real. And I think we do need to drop the whole divide and conquer Masonic pillar structure and get into a more inclusive form of reality. And I don't mean that in the way that the Pepsis, I, the lefties mean it. I, I like to take the James Evan Pilato from Media Monarchy, his running joke that the Democrats are Pepsis and Republicans are Coke. So if you ever hear me talk about Pepsis and Cokes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Need to laugh about it. And then I, what cracked me up the other day was like, what do you call it when the Pepsis and the Cokes agree on something. It's like when you would mix all the fountain drinks at Taco Bell when you were a kid. They called it a suicide where I'm from. <laughs> you mix all the soda. <laughs> anyway, well, I think okay. I got those ideas out well enough. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm in agreement. I, I definitely feel like I'm I'm learning more and more as we get deeper here. But you brought up where you're from, and that is synchronistically what I was hoping to ask you next. It's like, you know, specifically, you're well aware when you're, you're looking at a guy like Michael Wan who's examined his backyard, his landscape, the area near where he was born and then where he went and, and lived for the past however many years. You know, so much knowledge and information came from that. It inspired me to look at my backyard here in Connecticut and, you know, through that, so far, I've already found this ley line called the Hamanasset ley line. So I'm like, all right, that's all I know so far. You know, I've seen some connections here and there, nothing too noteworthy, but I'm on my way to finding something deeper. Have you done anything similar in your backyard? Obviously, Missouri's border on the eastern side is the Mississippi River, the largest river here in the United States. And I mean, I'm sure there's some energy associated with that the Cahokia mounds out there as well how much investigating into your local landscape have you done how about you get back to me or i get back to you on this in a while when i next come <laughs> on because this year has been about me making the final leap and transition into full-time doing my thing and not needing anything else and so the hardcore hustle and struggle of all that of trying to live in two worlds at once is ending which means my free time to explore that type of thing is going to go way up and that's definitely you're picking up on where i'm intending to go next for life exploration is to start do it 
doing the Ross Bin Michael Wan approach to my own area and adding to this great collective knowledge that we're building in our our net fund, our fund net instead of our network. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm definitely into that. But you know, a little bit of exploring the town I live in in Southwest Missouri is called Springfield. And there's all kinds of whack stuff going on here. The downtown is super mud floody. There's literally a Springfield underground. This is a town of like 180,000 when the college kids are here, but like half that in the off season. So it's not even that big, but there's, yeah, there's underground tunnels that you're not really allowed to go into. And there are at least two dozen full, fully built out buildings underground and tunnels and road networks that go between them. I know this for sure because a guy I know who was a delivery driver got to go in there to deliver food to one of these weird buildings that they claim are just warehouses and stock buildings. But God knows, I think it's really like probably human trafficking stuff and probably connects to further tunnel work, but or at the very least, it's just the layer of the city that's under the mud and there, there are old buildings. I don't think anyone built those tunnels uh, in the current, you know, the current town configuration. I think it was there and they are just using it and they knew what it was because there's, I can't find any stories about like who built it or how it's just, it just is there, they're there. It's a thing. So I've got some video footage of the delivery driver and there's, signs when you go in it's like no cameras allowed but he hid his phone in a place where it would record while he was driving through the tunnels and it's pretty crazy and there's more than that but i found a i sent you know michelle gibson yeah i sent her some photos from a park literally within walking distance of my house where there's a blue star memorial garden and all this masonic symbolism and uh plaques honoring various figures from the fake historical narrative that are key players in the uh, storybook and a bench. There's a bench there that was dedicated to the international or the independent order of the odd fellows. And I was like, there it is right in plain sight. <laughs> and no right one on. really even knows about the odd fellows. They're still pretty mysterious to me even, mm. but we're getting deeper into the, we're peeling more layers of the infinity onion back all the time. And it sure is fun. Not even crying about it. <laughs> Dude, I love it. And as we've both alluded to, I think you'll be back on the show soon. And maybe after you've gone on some of these, uh, these journeys, cause yeah, there's no doubt that there's a lot to find out there. I myself, have heard many legends of Yale University, a school that's pretty local to me. They have underground networks as well. You know? Aren't they the so, Skull and Boners? Yes, they are. Yeah, yes, my are. my birthday is three twenty two. <laughs> oh man, that's dude, the first day seeing, of the occult calendar. I've been seeing three twenty two all week, and that's just a number that has been you know present in my mind since investigating this stuff. You know post high school going to community college pretty much on their campus it's like just a two building universe uh community college inside of this whole yale university network that basically new haven is it's just you know a, a nice wrapper around the university it's hardly a a city in its own right anymore but 
yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely you know, we can go on for another couple hours on the the connections and the synchronicities. And uh, listeners have heard my story before, Chance. But dude, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, and I hope to know your audience as well soon. And obviously, inviting you over to Alt Media United, folks can look for your information there. But until that's done. Where can folks find the Innerverse? Obviously, it's a podcast. They can listen to it wherever they're listening to this show. You mentioned you have a YouTube channel. You have a Rockfin channel. You have a new show called Vibrant. Tell us. And then the Weaving uh, Spiders Web, right? So unless I just plugged everything for you, do you have anything else going on? Anything I missed? Yeah, I got one other plug. So innerversepodcast.com will take you to everything Innerverse podcast related. Cool. My YouTube channel and my Rockfin are going to have the extra videos that I've been doing in the morning for the Universal Oracle. Those are really good, I think. I mean, they're helping me to do so. And the Vibrant shows are also on those channels, but Weaving Spiders Welcome is a separate YouTube channel. I'm not on every episode, but I've been trying to get in there every time I can. They go live on Saturday night. And I also have been doing aura repair work for people using sound so i can do this remotely would love to i've done some stuff out there where you can find me talking about it like with Lindsay on rogue ways i talked about it in depth but using tuning forks and some other tools i am able to diagnose areas where you've got some blockage in your plasma field the bubble space the aura around you your egg and get your body aware of those blockages release them and then get you in a more full state of inner communication with yourself and there's a lot of benefits to that and we probably don't have time to talk about that in depth but i just want people to know if that sounds like a modality they'd like to try they should contact me through telegram or through email or through a social media channel somewhere just put put it out there to me that you want to do it. I don't have like an intake form on a website or anything. I just want, really just want the people that are invested in making some changes to come check it out with me. And I'd love to do a session. I'm actually getting ready to do one right after this convo. And it's great. So I wanted to plug that because it's part of what's also helping me not need other forms of jobbery. <laughs> Job, <laughs> book of Job. So there's that and yeah, universepodcast.com for the history of my show. And you can get the extended episodes, the two hour versions on Patreon or Rockfin. If you join one of those platforms. Right on. Yeah. Thank you. This has been super fun. I loved it. Really good flow. Dude. Yes. And I expected it. I read that really nice message from, I think his name was Jeremy, but I hope I'm not misremembering that i'll get it right in the intro or the outro but yeah man as soon as soon as i sussed out your show i was like okay this is gonna be great and dude i'm excited to work with you more in the future and thank you so much for sharing your time with us and uh, yeah the aura repair i gotta definitely talk to you a little bit about that off the air so don't go anywhere folks thank you so much for listening to the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast support chance show them some love and if you're on rockfin you can get 
our premium content, both of us. So Synergy. there we go. You know, Rockfin's making it happen. And yeah, it's, it's really on the helpful. blockchain, but you know what? It's a new community and I'm rocking with it. So take it easy, folks. Thanks for listening and enjoy the moment. All right. Thank you for listening to another fun, fantastic episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, a podcast produced independently by me all myself with the help of my lovely girlfriend tara who is kind enough to co-host and help me organize my life in many many other ways so shout out to you my love and thank you again for listening uh to this podcast it's my birthday and i would just you know really feel like i missed out if i didn't share that with you guys because this podcast means so much to me all of the love I've received so far in the form of emails and comments and likes and subscriptions and all of this stuff. It really just means the world to me. So thank you so much for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And I hope you stick with us and check out the bonus content that we got on the Patreon. Thank you very much, folks. Peace. <laughs>